Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. Did I turn the mic on? Okay. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried in the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. And I've simply titled this tonight, Secure in the Storms of Life. Secure in the Storms of Life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you thank you again for the opportunity we have to assemble together and open your precious word. And I pray as you look into the word of God tonight, that you'd encourage and strengthen us and help us to rest uh, in your sh- more sure word of prophecy. And may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> of course, we last week we looked at why did the heathen rage? Why did the people imagine a vain thing? You know, it's a vain thing to set yourself up against God. It's vain. It's useless. Because God's going to break them in pieces. Break them with a rod of iron, verse 9 tells us of chapter 2. This chapter, Psalms chapter 3, many believe it was written by David when he fled from Absalom. Uh, Of course, you know the story. After David sinned with Bathsheba, then David's son Amnon raped Absalom's half-sister, sister Tamar, and <clears throat> and Absalom takes vengeance and then flees, and then David calls him back eventually, and and Absalom leads a revolt against his father, the king, and David has to run for his life. And so that's the context. He's running for his life, so to speak, from Absalom's son because the 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 um, uh, Revolt is very strong. And I want to notice three things tonight as we think about being secure in the storms of life. First thing I want to notice is that sin strengthens the enemies of God. Verse 1, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. You know, the sin in the camp or among God's people does increase the enemy. It does cause them, seems to cause them to multiply. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, after David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan said to him, Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. You know, Nathan told David, God hath put away your sin. However, however, you've given great occasion to the enemy to blaspheme. And so, what, what happened here is, it increased 
or cause this great increase of those that seemingly come out of the woodwork, as we say, like termites coming out of the woodwork, to, to rise up against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. Uh, you see, Israel, and of course, David, Israel, we, we are, and we are to be the glory of God. And as Isaiah 46, 13 says, I bring near, near my righteousness, it shall not be afar off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Your Israel is to be the witness to the world. Isaiah 43, 10 and 12 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there is no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. And of course, in 2 Thessalonians or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Paul writing to the church of Corinth says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So as we think about you know, God's people are the witness to who God is in the world. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So how do they know, how does the world know what God is like? They look to the church. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter Chapter 1. I think it's chapter 1. It's just Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. You know, thinking about that, that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So it is the church or churches that declare declare to the world who God is. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you know, there's commentators don't agree on this, but I, but I believe this verse teaches, and there's a few commentators that agree with me, that this verse is teaching us that the churches declare to the principalities and powers in heavenly places the truths that God has revealed to us. And let me ask you this, where does God reveal himself? It's in his word. And he's given us, he's given his word to his churches. So it's the church's responsibility to declare to the world who God is. What God is like. And when there's sin, well, it mars that. 
You see, the world gets their thoughts and their impressions about God from God's people. They don't read Bibles. I told a man just this week. Well, it's brother uh, Chris Sharon, who had the massive heart attack, our neighbor. Uh, Nathan has talked to him quite a length, and I talked to him some. He he thinks he's okay, but he he said this. He said he said I know. He said, I don't care what you say. It's not those EMTs and the doctors. They're not the ones that get the credit for me being where I am. He's back driving truck. It's some, to me, it's unbelievable. And uh, he said, it's God. God's the one that gave me another chance. And he said this, I just knew. wish I knew what he wanted for me. So I come over and got him a Bible, and I took it down for him, and I said, Chris, you said you wish you knew. God reveals himself in his word. The only way you're going to find out what God wants from you is you study this book. And, of course, you know, it, it, it does come through his word, but it also comes through people. God's ordained to use men to give people his word. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the scriptures. And, and Philip says, uh, uh, understand us what thou readest. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? But when, so when there is sin in God's people, it does increase or multiply the enemy. And I believe that's what we're seeing in our world today. Uh, it also emboldens, they are emboldened by their false beliefs about God. Notice verse 2 says, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. No help. Now this is David. They're talking about David. The one who played on the harp and the evil spirit departed from Saul. The one that behaved himself so wisely. The one who was a sweet singer of Israel. And and so this is him that they're talking about. But they believe because of his conduct... Of late, there's no help for him. See, false religions, all false religions from what I understand, have some form of works or earn your favor-based belief system. Therefore, they think if you sin, you lost favor. You're without help or you're without hope. And that is, you can never have God's help or God's protection or God's power again. That's kind of the idea. And this is what they're saying here. Hey, you know, God's, God's through with David. You know, God ain't going to help. I mean, look what he did. God ain't going to help him anymore. Now, understand, if you turn away from God, he will chastise you. And David was chastised. There was, there was some... some some very severe consequences to David's sin. But God did not forsake David because David did not forsake God. But see, the world doesn't understand this. Go to Numbers chapter 23. There's an interesting statement there that Balaam makes in his prophecy when Balak... And this is the other thing that Balak didn't understand and that the world don't understand. 
In Numbers 23, verse 16, it says, And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He Notice the statement. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Now stop right there for a minute and just think about something. Just not too long ago, they murmured against the Lord because there was no water, and the Lord sent fiery serpents. And not too long before that, you know, we could go on and on and on about not too long before that what Israel did. Was there no sin? Was there no iniquity with Jacob? But it says he he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and a shout of a king is mine. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of the unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? You see, Balak didn't understand their righteousness was not man-based. It wasn't man-based. It wasn't based in the works of the children of Israel. It was based in the righteousness of God that they received by faith. Just as our righteousness is not man-based, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, our righteousness, God sees us not in our in our own state, or our own sin, he sees us in the righteousness of Christ. You see, the world thinks, thinks like this. Psalm 91, 71, 9 through 11 says, Cast me not off in thine old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him. For there is none to deliver him. He's an old man. We can overcome him now. You know, God's forsaken him. He's old and no good. And that's the way the world thinks? You're old and no good. You're not profitable to society anymore. That's what the world says. That's the world's mindset. That's why they don't want to give you health care after you turn a certain age. Ezekiel 8, 10 to 12, So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, and abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel, portrayed upon the wall round about. There stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and amidst them stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan. With every man a censer in his hand, a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. No, God hasn't. God sees everything. You see, 
But the world thinks there's no help. When you fall into sin, there's no help. And many times people, when they, when, when, when they do fall, they feel like there's no hope. There is consequences to our sin, but there is hope. There is help if we will seek it. So sin strengthens the enemies of God. Secondly, we see here the security of God even in this storm. Verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. Notice, notice, the Lord is my glory. It's not my own glory, it's the Lord's glory. And the lifter of mine head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I wake for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. So God is our shield. That word shield means protector. Uh, one the Strong's described it as the scaly hide of a crocodile. Did you ever see an armadillo? There's a reason why they call it armadillo. See him pretty regularly when we're hog hunting in Georgia. I hear this, oh, here comes a hog. And you're listening, you're listening, you're looking around, you're looking around, you know, they're only about that big. The most helpless and awkward looking creatures you ever see in your life. I think if you bumped them, they'd fall over. But they look like a little armored tank. You know, they got these this armor all over the body, clear up to the clear up to the head, and all you you know see out of the armor is this head, and the tail looks like it's a ride of a uh, the hide of a rhinoceros. You know, probably you'd have to flip him over. I don't know if anything could kill it. Maybe if they flipped him over, and maybe he's soft underneath. I don't know. But, but he's just a little wee thing, and, and he can't move very fast or slow on the ground. And the little legs go, shh, you know. But they're armored. That's the idea here. God is our armor. In Genesis 15, after Abraham armed his servants of his house and overtook those kings and defeated them and brought Lot back and the king of Sodom, and, 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 and all the goods. The Lord said to him after that, in Genesis 51, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. I'm your shield. I'm your armor. I'm your armor. In 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six. He says, Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Psalm 33, verse 20, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And, of course, Ephesians six sixteen says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You see, God is our shield. Not only is he our shield, but he also sustains us. Verse 5 says, I laid me down and slept. I wait for the Lord to sustain me. You know, think about it. You know, an army has come against David, and he's had to flee Jerusalem, and, and, and yet he lays him down and sleeps. Now, 
The word sustain means he upholds, supports, or bears the weight of. In Psalm 55, 22, he said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. See, David cast his burden on the Lord, then he slept. Even though his son had led a very strong insurrection against him. He cast his burden upon the Lord and he slept. Because the Lord then bore the weight of it. Hannah cast her burden upon the Lord. Then she ate. There was no more sad. First Samuel 1 tells us that. You know, contrary to what the world thinks, God doesn't cast away his own when they fall. He doesn't cast away his own. Psalm 37, 23 to 25 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. See, we read a little while ago where they said, well, he's old. You know, who will help him now? No. God says, I'm, or David said, when I'm old, I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Deuteronomy 4.31 says, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither will destroy thee nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. When God makes a covenant with man, he is going to keep it. 1 Samuel 12, 22, again, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. You see, the Lord's name is at stake, is at stake when he goes back, if he goes back on his word. Therefore, he will not do it. It's inconsistent with who God is. Lamentations 3, 21 to 25 says this. And of course, Jerusalem has just been uh, overthrown. They've been carried off to Babylon. But, but Jeremiah says this. This recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. You see, though they were overthrown, though they were taken away captive, they were not consumed. Paul said when he wrote to the Romans, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. They may have been set aside for a while. They may be in a time of judgment and chastisement for their sin and their wickedness against God and against His anointed. But God hath not cast them off completely. He will fulfill His word to them, to the children of Israel as a nation. And of course, He will fulfill His word to us as well. So though David sinned against the Lord 
Again, he did not forsake the Lord. When Nathan rebuked him, he repented. He confessed. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful, just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 2.5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So God commands us to repent. He will not forsake us. Isaiah 66.2 says this, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is, a, is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. David was not forsaken because when his God's word was pronounced in judgment against him, he trembled at it. He humbled himself. You know, the world said, eh, there's no help for him in God. But David said, you know, he's my shield. He's my glory. He's my source of righteousness. He's the one that's going to sustain me. Therefore, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Oh, we need to cast our burdens upon the Lord, for he will sustain us. You know, our deliverance never was in man or self. It's in the Lord. So why should we fear man now? So sin increases the enemy. But we have our security is in the Lord, God. And, and, and our salvation is in the Lord. Notice verses 7 and 8 says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Salvation is of the Lord. I'm going to notice two things here. First of all, God is God will have dominion. Notice in verse 7 it says, Arise, O Lord. That's a phrase that comes from the, 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 the statement that Moses, remember when Moses when the children of Israel would get ready to, to move in the land as they were in the wilderness, Moses would say, Arise up, O Lord. And it was a, it was a military term, and it was to defeat thine enemies, and so it was to give them safety, and it was a military term. It's like, you know, prepare uh, your people for battle and overcome your enemies. And he says here, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Now, if you were to smite somebody on the cheekbone and break their teeth, what would that do to them? You got an army of men with all broken teeth. How effective are they going to be? I mean, they're going to have trouble eating. They're going to have trouble sustaining life. They're going to be trouble having strength. 
So what you see here is God has dominion, and he can, he can render or weaken or break the strength of the army. Always oh, just coincidence that the Syrians were all slain in one night, or that uh, uh, they all fled you know, during the uh, was a haze eyes rain. You know, they all fled in the night for fear. It was all just, you know, why did why did why did uh, uh, or how was uh, Gideon and three hundred men able to overcome an army of multitude? Now, God has dominion over man. And he breaks their strength. He can render them powerless, even though they be a multitude of people. God does have dominion. The second thing we hear, the Lord will protect his own property. It says, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Now, the word belongeth is in italics, so it was added by the translators to make a complete sentence or make sense out of this, but uh, the idea here is we belong to God. We are His property. You know, I, I get a little um, defensive, that's not the right word, protective over things that are mine. Um, <clears throat> when somebody borrows something from me, if it's gone too long, sooner or later I'll ask about it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a little protective about my kids. I watch you talk to my girls. I do pack, too, so just be careful. <laughs> you know, they're mine. We are God's, and he is protective. We're his property. We're his children. We belong to him. Psalm 100, verses 1 to 3, Make a joyful noise on the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, any shepherd, when he's, if they're his sheep, he's going to give his life endeavoring to protect them. David said, I took a sheep out of the mouth of a lion and out of the mouth of a bear. He was putting his own life at risk to protect what was his. We are the Lord's. And the Lord will protect and deliver his own. Because we belong to him. Psalm 89, verse 18 says, For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our king. Couple of verses in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. 
Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, look. In fact, he says in verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, God, salvation belongeth unto the Lord, and he will protect that which is his. Now, it doesn't mean we won't go through trials and tribulations. It does mean he will provide or protect through trials and tribulations. Some, for some, that means taken home to glory, as Stephen was. But he wasn't forsaken. He said, I see, the, I see Jesus standing at the right hand. Hebrews 13, 5 or 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man should do unto me. I think I shared this story once before about John R. Rice. It was back in those days, early days of John R. Rice, there was a lot of preaching against liquor. One day, John R. Rice got picked up by a few men, and they threatened him. They said, you need to tone it down on your preaching against liquor. And he said, you're going to threaten me with heaven? And what to do? Let him go. You see, no matter what we may face, the Lord will never forsake us if we're his child. We belong to him. We're in his hand. We're in his hand. And though the world may say, you know, you may fall and the world may say, aha, there's no help for you now. They don't know our God. They don't know our God. He will not forsake us. He will chasten us for our sin. But he will protect us. We are secure in him. And he is our salvation and our deliverance. Might God help us to find courage and strength to let him be Lord of our life and live for him no matter what the world may bring our way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the comfort and encouragement that we find in your word. And Lord, thank you that you are a gracious and loving and a forgiving God. And you knoweth our frame that it is frail. Like as a father pitieth his children, so you pity those that fear him. 
So far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. And Father, we thank you for those precious promises that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we may boldly say, and Lord, help us to be bold as witnesses for for our Lord. Thank you for the encouragement we find in your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.